Straight out of the heart of Texas, here come the students of conflict, helping you become a better Malifaux player and reach the top of the podium, one game at a time. Alright, welcome to Students of Conflict. We're Clay, Nick, and Doug. Hello! Hello! And we are trying to become better Malifaux players, leveling up ourselves and hopefully helping others level up as well. We do that by interviewing top third players from the Lone Star Conference, playing in Malifaux tournaments across the U.S. We're not trying to capture their entire tournament journey, we just want to take an in-depth look at a single game from each of our guests. Key decisions they made before the game, during the game, and now looking back at the game, what were the things that they learned and can pass on to others? Our basic format is to interview the guests all at once, just as soon as possible after the tournament, where it's all fresh in their minds and we can get some good cross-flow between the guests. But rather than publishing one long marathon podcast, we break it up, releasing one individual podcast per guest, helping people level up one game at a time. Today, we're speaking with Jonathan, Brian, and Nick. Hello. Yo. Hello again. Again. <laughs> Hello again. These guys came in third, second, and first at the February Malifaux Monthly Tournament held in Houston on 11 February. And we're going to be releasing these discussions with them as episodes 4A, 4B, and 4C. Here we go. All right. So we got Nick here this evening. And uh, Nick, obviously we got you as a host, but uh, congratulations on being here as a guest for the first time, taking the podium. Oh, I appreciate it. Ooh, congratulations. The old adage of buying <laughs> Doug beers works um, <laughs> during tournaments, um, even though he told me the wrong time for food delivery. That was totally on me. Yeah. yeah. There we go. But that's okay. I still love you. Math is hard. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Carry the two, um, East Coast time, and fail. <laughs> I was still recovering from Captain Con. I was at Captain Con the weekend beforehand. There yeah, we go. No, you, you win that argument. I Excuses. You. I'm full of them. Apparently. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get going because we want to hear about how how unbroken Perdita 2 is. Impossible. <laughs> What's my sound effect? <laughs> <laughs> we are we are. We're all looking forward to that. So, uh, but we want to start out with the uh, icebreaker question that uh, wanted to know who is your first master, Nick? And uh, knowing what you know now, is this somebody that you would recommend to new players? Uh, oddly enough, with all the shit I'm about to get for Perdita 2, my first master was Perdita 1. And awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Malifaux is actually my first uh, miniature game. It was uh, so uh, me and a group all kind of divided and conquered and we all took a, a faction and everybody chose the harder factions like i want the easier one this is my first entry into this i don't i don't want to screw it up and perdita was on the shelf probably because she wasn't well she was good in, in 2e but uh yeah so perdita was my first master and i really dove hard into her and then the rest of the guild faction and knowing what i know now uh transitioning over to third edition sure perdita one's pretty straightforward she's got some shenanigans she's Got some efficiencies that are easy to grasp. And when it comes to Perdita 2 and managing auras, she's probably the easiest of the aura management masters because she kind of does one thing really well. And you just focus on that one thing and you have your six inch widget or your six inch aura on Vassal and <laughs> it equals success. 
Easy game. <laughs> yep. Easy, yeah. Go ahead and cue the, the sound effect, Brian. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So our Jesus. core listeners, so so and just for our listeners, you need to understand that uh, uh, there are some in the world who would probably say that uh, Perdita 2 is one of the, the overpowered masters. But but uh, Nick is one of those who would say they are absolutely wrong. <laughs> and, and so as we go through this, uh, we're going to be... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll probably have a few opportunities to talk about whether she may or may not be OP, and we've got sound effects as we go along. That I figured out how to use the soundboard. <laughs> yeah. So, so dear listeners, we are looking forward to feedback on on this. Uh, not just your opinions on Perdita Two, but also uh, your opinions on our uh, uh, newfound sound effects. So, anyways, right. but let's let's go ahead and start talking about games rather than sound effects. And uh, and so, what what round from the tournament are you talking about here, and, and why? So I chose round one mainly because that was when I had a lot to learn. And I say that because I hadn't played Malifaux in about four months. Uh, I went back to back from the Nova four day, 10 rounds of Malifaux shenanigans to the Houston GT. And there was some burnout there. And so I really took a break and then there was an errata and then there was all kinds of stuff. And so I kind of felt like there was some catch up. And so this was my rip the bandaid off, get back into the groove of things. And I went with what I knew because I, I soloed Perdita two in the Nova open and placed podium. And then I just played a lot of Perdita two. So that was, that was kind of my bread and butter. I knew what I could do. I knew that I'd be able to get back in my muscle memory of all the actions and abilities. And, you know, things are just going to start coming back to me quicker. So it was really the, the knock off the rust uh, moment uh, of the tournament. So that's why I chose round one. No, that's excellent. And and obviously you went good uh, through the rest of the tournament, but we are looking forward to hearing uh, just some of the, yeah, the, the pieces of, of how it felt to be knocking off the rust as we get into this. So, so that'll be great. Um, what was the biggest, besides knocking off rust, what was the biggest kind of theme or, or lesson that came out of this, uh, out of this game? It was probably two weeks earlier. I was trying to defend Perdita 2's OP nature to Brian and Andre in a, in a group text. And I was like, no, she's not that bad. She's not that bad. And then it was about at the end of round one, I was like, yeah, she's kind of that bad. <laughs> it, it was just it, the, it, it yeah, oh my God, I need to get access to that fucking soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment I realized that, yeah, she has too many efficiencies, too many things that just go well. And, all the things that kind of create a successful Malifaux game, she has in her toolkit in keyword, um, fully synergized and can be taken apart, but it's durable. It's it's hard to, to parse through and it counters a lot of tech out there. So that's really the the lesson learned was, yeah, this this might be curved the, the wrong way. And uh, and a good lesson. So, um, but uh, and definitely a good one to take in after coming back to it after four months. So, so that's all right. Before the tournament even started, we knew the pools. Um, we knew which kind of what you were going to be facing. Did you end up running just Perdita, or did you end up running a, a bunch of stuff across Guild, or had you had you brought your whole kit? What was your what was your thought for? for why you brought guild in general um and then also what were your thoughts on on were you kind of planning perdita for this for this round from the beginning or what 
Yeah, I knew I was bringing Guild because I'd had so much reps with Guild over the past, you know, six, eight months that I, I could get back into the groove of rules and figuring out how to use widgets again and not knock over terrain because I'm getting clumsy on the table, right? But uh, this is the first time I said, screw it, I'm not bringing the entire Guild faction. I'm bringing Perdita's kit and I'm bringing a few versatiles and I'm bringing the Marshall keyword because I wanted to try lady j2's eroded state if i felt comfortable enough which i wound up doing yeah i I only brought the two crews and i thought i can flex into just about everything with those two crews okay what was your thought on simply was it really just um because of the familiarity that you ran perdita or was it kind of the pool plus that familiarity to be honest she's good in every pool in gg3 I, i don't think there's anything she's not good at the familiarity was the driver but because she was so flexible and so good in so many facets i I felt comfortable just kind of blindly bringing her in round one knowing i can knock the rust off and probably have some success okay so no that's totally fair so this particular pool for round one was wedge carve a path uh with the schemes being breakthrough vendetta assassinate sabotage and load them up so like you said she's good into all of that uh, or really any of the strats or schemes coming out of GG3. But but for this particular one, what were you? What schemes had you selected? So I selected Breakthrough and Vendetta. And one of the main reasons why I'd played them in all the other GGs. So it was easy to go, oh yeah, I remember how to do that. I could just target <laughs> that, right? I, I, I didn't have to go look at a card again and reread the rules. And I, I tried to make it as easy on myself as possible is really what I tried to do. So... Yeah, I chose Breakthrough. Um, Perdita can be hyper-efficient. There's several models uh, that have Deadly Pursuit and decent movement out of activation movement. And even the summons after the turn they're they're summoned in can drop markers, potentially out of activation as well. Um, so I felt comfortable with Breakthrough. And Vendetta, your gun line, there's a lot of six, seven, and eight stone guns that can fairly easy score the first point it's hard for the second point because if you target a family model and you want it dead you could probably get it done so i I knew i could probably get at least one point on it so i said screw it i'm going to go with the the two i know and the two that i feel like i can i can make work for sure so um your opponent brandon had declared von schill how did that affect or did it even affect your crew selection at all it didn't, but it should have. Okay. And that's the thing, right? So I went in knowing I needed to kind of just knock the rust off. So I went with something I knew and would accept whatever outcome it was. But if I would have thought about it, knowing that there's so much armor in Shill's crew, there's an upgrade with Armor Ignore that I could have used. Uh, and I probably should have thrown, instead of brought it, bringing in one of my lower stone models, I should have thrown... I think it's expert marksman is the title uh, uh, on a few things to try to get those armor ignore triggers off to do a little bit more damage. Cause I know shell has some beefy models that have high to mediocre wound counts and potentially lots of healing and tons of card draw. So if you're going to push something through, you need to be able to push it through, hopefully ignoring any kind of uh, reduction. So. Okay, but now that makes good sense. That um, we've got the the list is in the show notes, but yeah, could you talk us through your your crew list? 
Yeah, so uh, it's a pretty standard list. Uh, I kind of flex two different ways with Perdita. My norm is uh, Perdita 2, the, the totem, obviously. I bring Frank the Tank, uh, Nino, and Santiago, a guild mage, just about every time. And the flex models that I brought in was Abuela and a Monster Hunter. Uh, sometimes those get swapped with maybe a Papa Loco if I need Papa, or if I need a Death Marshal recruiter to turn my summons into Death Marshals to potentially turn them back into Monster Hunters for some shenanigans and then back and forth, back and forth, which gets ridiculous. Sorry, Doug. Wink. Could you talk us through that? I think that many of our listeners are familiar with that, but could you talk us through that? You didn't end up playing that in this game. No, but, I didn't. Uh, no. Yeah, to... to uh, while we're on it, I brought the Abuela and Monster Hunter as my as my flex options on this game. But with the Death Marshal Recruiter, he has a five inch aura that if a living model dies within five inches, you pitch a card which proctors a heal with the mage, and you summon a uh, a Death Marshal. Future Doug here. Nick mistakenly said summon instead of replace here. The Death Marshal Recruiter's grim recruitment ability replaces the killed model replace not summon and then heals it too because it's a summon some the upgrades do not change and so the summon from perdita all of her summons have specialty upgrades that are attached for summon upgrades and when they die and get turned into a marshal because they're classified as a summon upgrade they reattach to that model so it proctors all, all of the abilities on that upgrade stay. And on that upgrade, it says if this model kills an enemy model at any point, it upgrades to a monster hunter. So you have this weird effect where you can take a summoned pistol arrow with the upgrade. If it dies and it's within five, you pitch a card and it turns into a, a death marshal. And if you can get that to kill a cheap minion or something on the other side of the board, it turns into then a monster hunter. It gets wild. It, re it, it really does. And even on the upgrade itself, if it's within two inches of a friendly model, a friendly family model, it gets plus one to its stat and it gets a suit of its choice. And so <laughs> not at all. Not at all. No, no. And no. as I say it more, I, I definitely feel like, yeah, thank you for that. By the way. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, there's there's some decent triggers. There's pine box. There's there's a lot of things on a death marshal that are decent. And what's even funnier is a death marshal synergizes with the guild mage again because it has uh, what's the bonus to chuck a card and end a condition dispel not dispel magic uh, shrug off uh, shrug off. Thank you. Yeah, shrug off. So and hard to kill. The the discard a card part of the action is a an italic text. So you have to discard the card to even declare the action and even if you don't have a condition it doesn't matter you still discard a card and heal that amount above your hard to kill <laughs> it's stupid it, it's a cycle that just infuriates doug bowman on the other side of the table something fierce fuck perdita too yeah i love you nick but god i hate playing into that crew hey i finally found my juice i had to deal with uh <laughs> transmortis and nephilim for three right. freaking years so. <laughs> hey i brought other things okay <laughs> yeah one other thing tormented yeah <laughs> I, I also played reva i gave you some free wins well, there, there was also <laughs> yeah, the yeah, uh yeah. thing that you didn't mention there with the um 
Death Marshal Recruiter and the upgrades that they've got on there is that when they are the model is replaced, it then attaches the old upgrade to the replaced model, which then procs its little when this is attached thing again. So like with the uh, the Ghost Hunter, when this upgrade is attached, this model gains slow and shielded. Then this model may choose a condition and end that condition on any other on other friendly family models within two. And each of the four different upgrades has got a similar thing that, hey, when this is attached, this happens. And so it gets to reproc that without Perdita having to do her summon shenanigans again. Yes. And that that those little abilities are one is a free shot, which can be Perdita as a master can get a free shot. yeah, the other one is remove all mar- non-ski markers within two inch. And then the other one is uh, provide, I think, concealment is the other one. So, yeah, it it's a chain reaction that gets wildly out of control in the right circumstances. If you're living the dream, you are living the dream. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Well, yeah, it's one of those things where he wants you to kill them. Oh, yeah. I summon the pistolero. I was like, hi, I'm right here. I don't want to die. Oh, wait, no, I do. Fuck you, Doug. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. So with uh, all of that, and, and so um, uh, thanks for, for letting us me take that us down that sidebar um, because you ended up bringing Abuela. And so given all that power and shenanigans that we just talked about, was it just that you're like, hey, I want something you know, Abuela's easier to deal with? Or yeah, why, why did you end up bringing Abuela? So Abuela is a weird little tech pick. Um, she's five stones, so she's super cheap. She synergizes well with Aporel, which is the front of card ability with family where a friendly model within six that's equal or less in stone cost can pitch a card, which procs Guild Mage, and that, that model gets to take an action. And if that model takes a concentrate action within six of Perdita, they draw a card. Or they can take any other action, including bonus actions, which comes in handy. So she adds to the tier list of models that can proc the Apor L and maximize either card cycling or focus or anything you might need. And in Carve a Path, you need AP to push model or push markers up the board. She's a cheap model that can handle that. She's she's hard to wound she's you know she's cheap she's little um she doesn't do much other than but she has two abilities that i really focus on one is her tactical action listen here youngin which is a obey for family models that requires an eight and that's one of my ways i get uh focus built up on francisco also out of activation pushing the carve a path marker is huge and so she can proc that. She's a good synergistic pick for the family crew to maximize her synergies. And also, when you don't need to shoot, she's there to help with some of the abilities. You know, she's another model that can help proc uh, the the healing on the mage or getting card draw cycling on Perdita. So she's just a good utility piece that I that I include. And like I said, she's cheap. Um, real cheap to to bring into a crew. So if I if I have the stones to bring her in, I will. Um, the other ability that I love on her is her front of card ability, where if a family model within line of sight takes a gun action out of activation, they get plus one to their stat, and the whole crew synergizes off out of activation shots. 
So you can live the dream by getting a stat eight monster hunter with built-in stunning strike or family values trigger on a two, four, five damage track that's most likely having focus. A stat eight. That's ridiculous. Not OP at all. Perfectly Not balanced. Lightest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> so no, that is that is fantastic. So okay, um, another crew build thing. Um, you've talked a lot about guild majors as we've gone through this, and there's obviously a lot of discard in it. That uh, uh, I do want to pull in a question from Pete. Uh, Pete from Rage Quit Wire had asked in our Discord, and just for listeners, um, please join the Discord. Notes are in the show notes, uh, or the invites in the show notes. Uh, we'd love to have you join us, and that we will open up for questions before we record. One of the questions that came in is. Uh, essentially, Pete asking, is the guild mage an auto-include in most guild lists? Uh, is it, in fact, that good? Uh, you obviously included one. Do you in most guild lists, or or does it really only work in Perdita and a few other crews because there's enough discard to support them? It's an auto-include into Perdita, too. Um, I think that's a given. I think it's an optional in the rest of the faction because I think the guild mage fills a lot of guilds' needs, especially with uh, they have a tactical action where they can chuck a card which proctors a heal to change a marker into a scheme marker so you have some marker removal in guild now that's in a versatile model um, which is something that guild struggled with for a while there's very few options to remove markers and it was mostly master oriented or whatnot so the guild mage fits a need but if i don't need the marker removal and I don't have a lot of discard, uh, you're going to go back to the steward because the steward can give focus. It has, you know, it has a heal with the focus. It it, it can do a lot of things. It, it has a cool demise trigger to obliterate somebody from with like a two, four, eight damage track or something stupid. I like the steward better in a lot of situations where you don't need the, where there's not a lot of discard, but there's some certain crews that really have a lot of discard now that the mage just fits perfectly. Got it. So thank you. Um, looking at the other side of the table, Brandon had declared Von Schill brought what looks like a pretty standard Von Schill list with the uh, with the Yonic package. Uh, Von Schill, Steam Trunk, Eric and Hanna both. Uh, Yonic, two free core engineers uh, to get their own little discord uh, draw engine going, and then uh, the metallurgist. And so when they declared that, was that um, any surprises there? Anything where you're like, oh, what, you know, was that the moment that you were like, oh, I should have brought some uh, some anti-armor? Or was that, or were you like, uh, you know, did that change your game plan once you saw uh, Brandon's crew list? Yeah, I definitely, that was the moment I learned, not learned, but realized, yeah, I should have brought armor ignore. And I probably would have subbed Abuela for two upgrades uh, to get some armor ignore in the in the faction or in the in the uh, list. But uh, I was pleasantly surprised, not surprised, but I was happy that he chose Metallurgist over a Librarian because the Librarian can heal fairly well, and that crew has limited options to healing more than one bonus action at a time out of the, the the engineers yannick can kind of pulse it out one point at a time but i was able to capitalize on that quite a bit because he didn't have higher capacity healing capabilities that i was able to focus and, and really try to focus some of his key models down because arik and hannah as a package are expensive and so that takes up a lot of stones and those need to be kind of dealt with first or you just avoid them all together and try to score your points out out on the flanks. But being a Perdita crew, 
I've got to kind of stay in my wheelhouse and I can separate a few things, but I need to kind of stay in my, you know, six inch bubble around Perdita. So uh, seeing that list was not surprising, but I was happy that he chose the metallurgist over the librarian for sure. Sounds fair. And uh, looks like he had taken sabotage and assassinate at that uh, at that point once he saw saw your list and I guess I guess once you guys had actually got deployed out. But uh, were you guessing that based on his list? Were you? Do you have any idea what what he was taking for schemes? Uh, no, I, I I didn't realize that he was going for assassinate until probably round three and. To be honest, I, I was so hyper-focused on making sure I didn't screw up rules, and I, I feel really guilty when I screw up on rules that I, I feel like I cheated somebody. And so I was really trying to focus on making sure I was I had all these little interactions that I was doing correct and that I properly described it to to my opponent because my opponent, from what I understood, played a lot of Malifaux back in 2E and, and first edition, took an extensive break and, and came back to face Perdita 2 on a second game back. So <laughs> scoring what he did was great facing what he played. Like I, I, I thought he did great. Yeah. Brandon was one of the, uh, was one of the local henchmen when I started playing. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a great dude and I could see it in his eyes that he was questioning whether he wanted to play ever again or not. And I felt <laughs> terrible. Um, no, but uh, no, he was, he was, he was awesome. And, you know, I think we both spent some time trying to knock the rust off, which was great, but uh, yeah, I thought he did a great job. But yeah, it wasn't really a consideration. Some of some of the things that you would normally have been doing of of guessing schemes based on list and trying to to suss that out, and you were not worried about that uh, here for right. most of game one, anyways. Okay. To be honest, I didn't even think about it until I was finally able to get Hannah off the board, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, he's got schemes too. I should probably look at this." I, <laughs> I was just kind of playing Killifo and kind of playing my own thing. Like I was in my own lane. And I knew what I kind of needed to set up for my points, but I wasn't worried about his because I just, I couldn't think that far ahead at that moment. Well, and that kind of makes sense. If you can't get rid of Hannah, then it really doesn't matter, you know, right? Right. <laughs> <It's> like, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, Absolutely. That's cool. So, all right. Um, before we launch into the game, any questions from anybody else uh, or any other thoughts from you, Nick, on, on the before the game piece? Quick question. Um, you'd mentioned that you hadn't thought about what schemes Brandon had chosen. What did he end up scoring his points off of? Because uh, you won this game eight to three. What did he get the three points from? So he got uh, one point for assassinate. His crew can put out some high damage. And for as long as he's been out of the game, he knew how to maximize that Hannah punch of what is it like eight or nine damage, whatever, something stupid. And and so I was I was using stones a little too quickly, and he murdered Perdita too in round four, um, or no, round three. And I still had enough AP on the board to to finish out and do what I needed to do. I mean, everything I had focus too. And yes, I know she's broke. Insert sound bite here. He, he... <laughs> asshole. <laughs> you know you love me. He scored it on uh, two points for carve. He did very well maximizing his AP and figuring out the right tangents to get a marker over. And I just ran out of AP and people to to block one side. So he was able to get a marker in my end zone. But I completely stopped one side, one, the other marker. Um, so he got two points on carve and one point on assassinate. And his other option uh, was sabotage. And uh, uh, I was able to negate that 
just because the location he chose, I already had my remaining models kind of clumped around. So when I saw a marker drop, I knew I needed to take action and offset that because I had some time to breathe uh, to to really focus on, okay, what do you, what is he going for now? And so turn five, I was able to kind of uh, suss that out. You had extra actions with a Perdita 2 crew? I never <laughs> no. would have guessed. No. So, Artie, moving on to the game itself, that uh, just kind of would like to throw it open for uh, almost an open discussion from you, Nick, on, on what were the most interesting lines of play uh, and what were some key decision points, either on the board uh, or in your control hand? Yeah, so I uh, initially I really just tried to focus on making sure my auras were right and that I was following the rules. And the typical unpack is is easy with with uh, with her, especially when there's uh, carve the path markers to be pushed up. Uh, usually, I can get both markers uh, interacted with at least three times uh, in round one uh, with with that, and that's a combination of Aparel and uh, well, uh, a good placement by uh, the Nick Westbrook. Um, <laughs> no, no, you can chop that out. But uh, there there was a lot of I was focusing on synergies and I was able to, to really get that going. And uh, I think the one thing I did really well is every turn I made sure one of Perdita's shots stunned Hannah. I was trying to stun her, push her back, put her in the middle of a, a severe terrain, and then try to maximize all of that. And then the summons, I summoned every round and I would use that to either A, buff my crew or B, stall his crew. Because eventually he came to... I mean, he's a pretty hyper elite crew and the engineers and Yannick kind of sit in the back, just drawing cards for his big models. Right. And so I thought, okay, I don't have to worry about the back three other than them having a great hand, but I can almost guarantee pushing through stunned on all, all of his models. So, or on the, on the model I need to, and then I just needed to kind of put roadblocks in front of him. I needed to stall him, force him to use his back line to be more on the front line because his frontline beaters were just stuck and that worked out very well. So that's definitely something that went very well uh, uh, in my way. Uh, the one thing I definitely learned is Perdita is not untouchable in a crew uh, free core in Von Schill. There's some real big top end damage that can do severe ish. The family keyword does not do well with big damage. They heal in small little plinks. And that really tanked Perdita. And so I needed to really, that, that reminded me that I needed to protect her a little bit more. That's a good point. And that talking about, because he had brought Assassinate, but only got the one point. So he took her down in kind of a one, was it one Hanna activation? Or you almost hate to see that. So did you talk about the, that line with him after the game? Just the, the challenge of, I really want to get the two points and only take Perdita down to half, but I really don't but I have a chance to kill her. I really want to kill her and just how that yeah. played out to him. Yeah. And actually he, he mentioned that, that it was like, he almost cheated down the moderate to get his uh, damage track down far enough to where it didn't kill her in one shot. But the moment you get an opportunity to get Perdita off the board, you kind of need to do that. Yeah. yeah. That, that's yeah, for that sure. Is the right option every time, regardless of, the trajectory of your of, of your play you gotta just eliminate her and i think that's 
probably accurate with all masters. If you have an option to kill the master, you just accept the one point and you focus on other shit, right? It's just, there's better things to do, especially being turn three. That means I have two rounds of no master. That's huge. That is huge. So yeah. Well, and especially into a crew that has got a guild mage. So if suddenly, oh, you maybe you didn't realize he had assassinate until, oh, she's suddenly getting really low and it's like, oh, crap. The guild mage heals start pointing towards uh, Perdita every single time. And if you can delete her, you know, mm-hmm. delete her because there's a very good chance she's going to heal back up above half. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's actually, I was able to do that. So actually, now that I think about it, I'm sorry, in turn three, I was at below half health, but I chucked a severe to turn a scheme marker into another scheme marker, but heal three to get above half. Oh, okay. But I saw that happening, right? So I was able to negate that in turn three, but turn four, he got activation control because he had a bunch of pass tokens because I kept summoning chaff. He, yeah, yeah. He, he murdered Perdita round four at uh, unactivated. So uh, that that's how it actually unfolded. So I was able to negate it, but at that point he was like, screw this. And even if I wanted a stone, I don't know if I had stones left, but even thinking about it, there's counterplay, right? If I knew I had enough AP to get my carve markers over where I needed to, and if I can negate one point from him by just letting her die, and I know I can get eight points out of my stuff because of how the board set up at turn four. Sometimes it's okay just losing your master. That actually was an acceptable risk. Yeah, if you know you're on a path to eight, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. No, that's super interesting. So cool. So kind of the uh, the official after the game thing. Uh, we love asking, uh, uh, looking at it from the different tiers. So person is, uh, <laughs> it's there. They're, they're, if hypothetically, they're just back to Malifo after having not played for years, and they're super excited to get their, say, Von Schill team on the table, <laughs> freshly painted, ready to go, That's right. they're facing Perdita too. What, what, what kind of advice would you give to that player? <laughs> no, but, and, and seriously, how did you lay that out to them before the game? I know that you do that all the time. You're like, here, here's what you're going to be facing. Um, what kind of advice yeah. d- did you give? So my my main goal was to make sure that my opponent knew all the different interactions that when I start doing stuff and drawing cards, he understands why, right? That's the biggest thing is because you'll see players assume the opponent, your opponent knows what you're doing and they just start drawing and pushing and moving. And you're like, you didn't even measure that shit. How do you know what you did? Like, prove it. And so I made sure that I, uh, once I introduced myself and got a little background and and understood where he was at, I really wanted to make sure he was aware of the shenanigans that I was familiar with, that I remembered that Perdita has, uh, that brings to the table. Um, So he understood what to look for, making sure he knew some of the key models, right? It was like, look, you know, this is, this is how this all works. This is my healer, right? This is, this is the person that's going to heal my crew. And to be honest, that's my only source of healing, you know, hint, hint. This is the summons offer buffs, that are ongoing until that summon is off the table, but getting that summon off the table because it allows me to resummon it and proc the placement effect when it comes out as a summon, 
like that, that could be crucial. Like keep an eye on those. You know, I even, you know, offered to give them the cards cause I was pretty familiar with all the different upgrades and stuff at that point. Like it, keep these in mind. So you know what's going on. If you have any questions, let me know. So my advice is for a new player, accept what's going to happen. Hopefully your opponent is nice enough to walk you through the process and, hand you a wet nap afterward but just a wet nap dude need a fucking towel yeah fair enough but also ask questions a new player should always be asking questions to their opponent of you know uh, what do you think of my play what did you think of how i reacted to xyz what could i have done better but a new player just kind of needs to experience the volume of crap that comes at you the wave that comes at you with perdita 2 they need to experience it it's hard to prepare a new player for that other than just try to know your crew, kid, and, and go for your schemes. Sounds like a deal. So, okay, so kind of mid-tier. Someone who's faced him before maybe has an idea on how to break up some of the auras or or cause you some trouble. What do you fear from, from mid-tier players, and, and what kind of advice would you give ones that you don't quite fear? <laughs> yeah. So I think mid-tier players uh, really need to know uh, some of the linchpin models, right? It's, it's going to be... The mage, and if the DMR, the death marshal recruiters in the list, those are your two priorities. Those things need to get off the board before you can start picking the crew uh, apart. You need high damage track models that can do big damage. Um, there's not a lot of hard to wound. Um, there's only one henchman, one stone user, or two stone users between Perdita and Frank. And for the most part, the rest of the crew is pretty fragile, very fragile. So if you have activation control, if you have high damage tracks, uh, those are some of the things that can really pick this crew apart. It's not uncommon to see a seven or eight stone minion or enforcer drop a 13 on a defense duel because there's so much freaking card cycle. They're going to get more 13s. Like that's part of their resilience is using the cards on defense and offense that just to keep your models alive, you're cheating those high cards and you're going to hit those occasional, you know, you're all, every the crew's always going to be flipping on positives, even when they're, uh, their damage tracks are on negative. There's so many two, four, five damage tracks that statistically you're going to hit, you know, on single and double negs, you're going to hit those four, four damage tracks, you know, fairly often, especially with the volume of, of shots that this crew is going to be able to get. And, uh, and then top tier players, uh, other folks that uh, here that uh, if you're giving advice to, to some of the other guys here on the podium, uh, what would, what would you be advising them? <laughs> help us, Nick, help us. <laughs> i'm taking notes <laughs> yeah feel free feel free um top tier players are going to know or need to know evaluate killing the summons do you need to kill it because does the six inch aura that is a ongoing buff to the family models does that outweigh being able to resummon it uh if your crew is reliant on markers you don't want to kill the summon that removes all markers within pulse two when it's summoned. You, you want to let that thing live as long as possible. Who gives a shit? You just deal with the uh, anti-concealment aura that it, that it puts out for its crew to buff because you need your markers on the board. Evaluate that. The out of activation stuff is hard to deal with, but the big damage tracks and, and knowing how to maximize and use stones correctly and focus and delete key models and target priority is huge. Also engaging Perdita correctly. All of her actions have guns and are a gunfighter. So you engage it. They can only target that one model that's engaged. Yes, 
they have bravado where she can focus and push four inches towards another model, but you position your model correctly in base contact, the tangents, sometimes they can't get out of engagement. So they can only target that model. So you're, you're forced to use an AP, if not two, to either uh, trick shot or get out of engagement or force shooting at that person, right? It, with, with gunfighter. I would say that's the, the, the top tier options to try to beat a Perdita 2 player. Or if you're Stuck or, in the weird case, Shenlong 2, uh, ignore upgrades. Uh, that definitely helps being on the table. So my advice for players to beat Perdita 2 is attack their hand. I know I've, I say this a lot, it's my yeah. theme. But Perdita needs cards in hand in order to do a lot of her tricks. You know, pitch card, do X, Y, and Z, then draw a card. So if you have ways to force her to discard or have to burn her cards on simple duels, it would also be another good way to deal with Perdita. Yes. Yes. And actually, if that's a, if that's what you're going for, or if that's a, a strategy that you have access to in your yeah. toolkit, you need to go after the Enslaved Nephilim because that's a raw card draw model that helps because everything that Perdita synergizes with is card cycling. And so she doesn't have cards to cycle. That's an issue, right? That totem does draw a card with Nefarious Pack. Also the summons that have maybe upgraded into Monster Hunters. The Family Values trigger is now built in. You want to kill those things because Family Values lets a model draw a card or concentrate out of activation. Abuela offers out of activation concentration to do uh, with her Obey. Uh, so another model can focus. So there are ways of drawing cards, but if you can maximize or or minimize Perdita's options to raw card draw, that definitely takes her down a notch for sure. So so some uh, advice I have for how to deal with Perdita too. <laughs> Let me shop Perdita. Let's go. So first step one: start a podcast. <laughs> step two: have an episode. Talking about how really strong Perdita 2 is. Step three, wait. Wait till Weird fixes it. As long as Damien... Oh, fucker. Um, as long as uh, Damien gets nerfed at or before Perdita 2, I'm happy. Okay, I've got a question for you then. Have you played Perdita 2 into Damien 2? Only one time. And it was with limited success um we wound up tying the game and it wasn't andre playing trying to remember oh it was uh another local player that was trying out damien too but there is some things that perdita has in her toolkit to offset what damien brings to the table the no heal uh, trigger on her gun is huge that really helps eliminate a lot of things not to mention you're spread out with so many guns that you can kind of just get out of that that fucked up aura and just know that you're going to lose something and you just kind of feed the beast putting armor ignore and different things i i, I think perdita 2 has some tools to really offset that but i haven't put it to to the test yet not at all well we are definitely looking forward to hearing that though <laughs> she, she does have that that stunt on her trick shot yes yes absolutely yeah you've got stun you've got movement you've got things to offset some stuff you've also got i know in certain iterations, there's a lot of shockwaves that can happen with that crew, if I remember, from, I don't know, 
I, I see, see a lot of head nods, so I must have been right. One of the upgrades on one of the uh, summons is kind of like an evasive light. It's minus one to pulses, auras, and blast by one to a minimum of zero. So you can eliminate a lot of that crap, uh, or at least minimize some of that stuff. So I think that they do have the right tools to help offset a lot of that. That's cool. So, all right, I uh, want to wrap up with with maybe the most important question in the entire podcast, which was, uh, well, so what was the MVP model uh, as you were playing this game? So on this one, if anybody's played against Santiago when he's in Grit Frantic, that guy can go off. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it feels real bad. <laughs> yeah, you have to kill him quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if he's at four or less, I think it is, uh, he gets positives to damage and attacks and He's got a two, four, five. He's got a, a, a trigger for every suit, and they're all good. There's not a bad one there, and he just goes off. He's fast. He's hyper mobile. He's just a great model. I love him, and I and I try to keep him alive as much as possible. And he's an auto include for me, um, just because you get utility when he's not popping off, and when he is popping off, you get so much benefit to him. So uh, yeah, in that round, and even in uh, round two, uh, Santiago was my MVP. Outstanding. So, all right. Anything, any plugs? Nick, you got any plugs? Uh, obviously, Top Dog Design, because that's my bro right there. Um, and he's putting out some fantastic stuff. Um, uh, Heroic Scale Gamers, you, you've got to check out their YouTube channel. They're doing some great things. Uh, they're con- continuously improving. They're only getting better. I know a lot of battle reports are not palatable to even watch or even listen to like on headsets because of or earbuds because there's so much background and crap noise that scares the hell out of you sometimes. But their their quality, their production value, they've got the right foundation and they're getting into the content and they love Malifaux. Um, they love miniature gaming. They love what they do, the passion that they show just to the community. Uh, and the and the willingness to learn and be present and just be part of the community is huge. And so huge shout out to them. They're going to be a big contributor to the Malifaux community um, in the very near future. Uh, they're already doing great things here locally, um, but talking to them, they've got some good plans in place. So I'm excited to see what comes out from them in the near future. So actually on this past tournament, there was some awesome looking terrain from Top Doug Designs on the Heroic Scale Gamers uh, stream. Do any of you know if any of that train will be available uh, soon to the the uh, Malifaux playing public? So the the on that stream it was the um, it was the boats. Oh, it was the boats? Yes, that was actually from a Kickstarter that I just uh, had. We closed late pledges on that recently, holding off for a little while before the the files will be available. Again, just want to let it ruminate with the uh, backers for a little bit. And it will be available for print-on-demand soonish. One day. Okay, something for the Christmas list. I keep saying, oh yeah, by the end of the month. <laughs> I've been saying that for like four months. So, okay, just sure. which month? Yeah, yeah, by the end of the yeah, month. Yeah, the end of what? At the end of a month. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Good news. Yeah. That was beautiful. It was, it was really fun. That, that was a cool, cool board. Um, and if you guys put uh, the Nick Westbrook in the coupon code, uh, you don't save 10%. You actually give me 10%. So uh, I'd appreciate as many name drops as possible. Hoping Doug adds that to his website right now. Well, so there, actually, there is um, a 
coupon code that Heroic Scale Gamers has through uh, Top Dog Design. You got to go watch some of their videos to find it. And like and subscribe. He, he mentions it on their, uh, in their stuff there. So go watch his stuff. I don't know when he started adding it in, but I set it up with him. So Nice. Awesome. All right. So thanks again for being here this evening, Nick, uh, as both a, a, uh, a host and a guest. So great having you. And thank you very, very much. Take care. Oh, I appreciate it. Students of Conflict is brought to you by Top Dog Design. Check out topdogdesign.com for all of your Malfo terrain needs. Top Dog Design, 3D printable designs to enhance your tabletop. Students of Conflict is not an official product of Weird Miniatures LLC. All intellectual property belonging to Weird Miniatures is used with permission. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of entities they represent. Any content provided by our guests and or hosts are their opinion and not intended to malign any group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Woo! making you sound dumb ah. and and based on that i just totally lost my chain of thought it I'm was sorry. no 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 it's totally good so this is just my pause for the outtake i guess so, anyways <laughs> all good